Or if you could turn your Bibles to the book of First Kings, and let's look at chapter nine tonight. First Kings chapter nine. And let's see the chapter nine verse one. Look what it says there. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire which was pleased to do. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him in Gideon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayers and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. In my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And if thou wilt walk before me as thy father walked in integrity of heart and uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and wilt keep my statutes and my judgment. Then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever. As I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. But if ye shall, shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb, a byword among all people. And all this house which is high, Everyone that passeth by it shall be astonished and shall hiss, and they shall say, Why had the Lord done this unto this land and unto this house? And they, and they shall answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken a hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them, and served them before Therefore had the Lord brought up on them all this evil. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, that your promises are real. They were real for Solomon in those days, even before he did anything. He warned him. You give him wonderful advice. Lord, we have the same thing, Lord. We can open the pages of your word, and before we get in the ways of sin, his warnings therefore each one of us. I pray, Father, help us to take your word seriously, to live it out, to make a difference in the world around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So tonight we're looking at, we're going to look at God's promises. Let me ask you this. Did God ever promise something that never came be, never came true? If you look at the Old Testament, as we go through the Old Testament, you can see that every time the Lord gave them a promise and a warning, a promise and a warning, to them to say, listen, if you do this, 
I do this, but if you do that, then this will happen. Here he's saying the same thing to Solomon. Like, like if you disobey me, the consequences here are horrific, so to speak. I mean, the people have been taken out of the land. That temple, people were hissed at it. It's like, wow, what happened here? It was a total desolate in that area. So, one thing that we can see from the Bible is that the promise of God for Solomon and for all of us as children are very clear written in, God, in His Word. For Solomon, God verbally told him, verbally told him, for us, the same promise are written in the Bible. Look at it this way. Is it important to read God's Word I think is important as a Christian because there, when I read God's word, I'm going to learn right and wrong. I'm going to learn what is right, I'm going to learn what is wrong according to God, not, to, not according to the philosophies of this world. You know, the world, my, the world have their rights and their wrongs. But God has his rights and his wrongs. And a lot of times what God says is right and his wrongs much different than what the world says. And much different. So, God says to you and me, I got promises for you, I got blessings for you, but I also have warnings, because if you cross the line, this is what's going to happen. So, God doesn't hide His promise from us. You know the Bible. That's why it is important for us to be students of the Bible, to read God's Word, to make, make an effort to every day spend time with God. Every day. It should not be something that's because somebody told you so, or oh, I read my Bible because my mom and my dad told me so. Anyway, it's not it's not the way it should be. So I read my Bible because I want to spend my time with my God. He is my God. David David referred that many times throughout the Psalms. My God. So. It's important to do that because by doing that, one thing we begin to know, we begin to know the character of God, who He is, and who He is to us, but also, who we are in this world. Who are we? And how are we supposed to function in this world? You know, everywhere you go, you want people to tell you, or the direction, oh, I'm going to do this job, I want this to that, I'm going to do this thing, I want this thing. People say, oh, well, what can I do? As a Christian, we say, Lord, all right, I got saved, what should I do now? And the Lord says, here's the manual. <laughs> here's the manual. Begin to read it. It's like buying a new car. It ain't got a lot of buttons, right? Buttons everywhere. And you go, know, what this button does? And then you know, and your roof goes up. And you know, and your tires got flat. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, it buttons everywhere. So what you do? Go to the manual. Go to the manual. Like, I feel like my mom and my mother Lord, had, had a, uh, a button to roll out the steering wheel and she didn't realize <laughs> For a long time, for years. Anyway, I don't know if you listen to you. Probably laughing, but anyway, I heard that the other day. <laughs> but anyway, so um, one thing that I know is that that we can either reap blessings by obeying the Lord, or we can reap consequences by disobeying the Lord. Another blessing is that the Lord allows us to to make those decisions ourselves. So God gives us His word. It's there, the blessings are there, the warnings are there, and God allows you and me to make bad decisions ourselves. We can go in the ways of sin, 
And God says, as my child, like I didn't tell you, tell you so, you already know, or you know there's a of him the way he wants us to walk, and we need blessings. But the Lord allows us to make that decision. You say, why, Pastor? Because God wants you to serve him out of your heart, not out of duty. God wants to see his children following him out of their hearts. So, you in church. The person go sing. And you all began to sing. Yeah, then you started singing. You and Jesus singing to please the other person. No, no, we got to sing to please the Lord. You know, that's how we got to sing. You don't need. <laughs> I'm just exaggerating. But anyway, you know, you follow what I'm saying here. So, I, 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 let me go back here a little bit. So, another black. Uh, uh, why I say, why you ask? I do this. He wants us to, uh, want you to follow him from your heart. He wants you to read the blessings of his promise because of your willing heart. I have heard uh, said many times in, in my life that Satan likes to attack us after a great victory. You say, why, Pastor? Because a lot of times it is after great victories that we put our weapons down. We let the guard down. And when you get the, the guard down, who's a royal lion seeking to devour? Satan. So I'm going to give you a couple of verses. Let me give you an example. Here's one example. After Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, uh, 13 17, the Spirit of the Lord led him to the desert to be what? Tempted by the devil. For example, consider Peter. One minute he was used of the Holy Spirit to publicly confess that Jesus was a Christ, the Son of the Living God. And a few verses later, Jesus says these words to Peter. Look, it says in Luke 20, 21. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as weeds. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art covered, strength thy brethren. See, it is no wonder why Peter said, why did the verse in 1 Peter 5 be sober and vigilant because the adversary of the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so we see this, uh, it is it is when we're not aware that the enemy comes around and tries to attack us. Why am I saying this? We have to approve on this. So perhaps you have seen such a thing in your life at various times. You experience a great victory, and Satan used your moment against you, leading you to step behind the will of God. So from the this passage tonight, we can learn that how to stay focused on the word of God, even... And here's a, here's a thing right here. We're going to get to our point. Solomon started his, his kingdom and he began to be to build, 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 build. And he, in the end of his building, there's nothing else to build. And God shows up in the scene. Do you know why? Now Solomon's going to have idled hands. Too much time for himself. Now his mind's going to shift from building to the gods of his wives. Because he has idle hands. We're going to look into this. No, number one, that there is a race to run. There is a race to run. Folks, we don't get saved today, and all of our problems just walk away from us. Right, John? Right. Okay. <laughs> we just don't get saved today, and no problems. Everything is just, like we say, roses, right? Everything is wonderful. It happened that way. As long as we live in this world, there will be problems. There will be 
trials, there will be problems. We live in, a, in, in enemy territory on which we can be targets of Satan at any time. So, the Christian life is and never will be one that one uh, one day thing, but a long journey. Uh, in this journey, uh, in this journey of us, we need uh, this word, which is the word of God, God's word. We need His house, and we need each other. So. You got saved today is like, oh no, no problem. No, that's not true. We are in a long journey. In this long journey, what do we need? We need God's word as our road map, as our GPS. We need God's house to encourage one another, don't we? And we need each other. Because if you fall, you want somebody to help you stand up. If I fall, I need somebody to help me stand up because in this journey of life, there's a lot of potholes and a lot of detours and a lot of things that can move our mind away from what the Lord wants us to do. Listen, this is what God wants us to do. God wants us to have our mind always focused on Him. That's what He wants. That's what He wanted for Solomon. And He tells Solomon what's going to happen if He does not. He said, well, but God is too narrow. God isn't like, make a man do it. No, God will give him a choice. God give, when the Lord spoke to Solomon, he's not like, if you do this, you better do this, because if you don't do this, you're going to have that. I, I believe the Lord spoke with him, with him with all love and tenderness. And he explained to him, listen, you need to do this, because if you do this, this is what I will do for you. But if you don't do this, before it happens, this is what's going to happen. So we see letter A, it is a marathon. We are to learn that a Christian must remain focused at all times. The Christian life is not one of intense, uh, it's one of intense commitment. Many times in Scripture, this is illustrated by, by a way of a sports analogy. Uh, 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 Paul uses this in, in Hebrews chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians 9, also in 2 Timothy, he uses this as a way of a race. This Christian life of ours is like a marathon. A marathon is not like you run from here to the end of the street over there and come back. No, it's a marathon. It's like miles on end, and we have to get ourselves in that rhythm so we keep focused on the finish line. That's the way the Lord wants us to do. Actually, let me, let me read a couple of verses here. Actually, 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And everyone that striveth for the mystery is tempered in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. So therefore, run not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beat it, uh, beat it, uh, beat it I'm sorry, the ear, but I keep under my body and bring into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So Paul is saying here, and even in Hebrews in, in 2 Timothy, he's telling us when we run the race, we focus, we commit it. Our mind is on the finish line because if you look at your body, it will hurt. You want to quit. You will get thirst. You want to stop. You look at the crowds and they say, quit, quit. They will discourage you. You know why? You got to keep focused. You got to look at the ones that are going, you can do it. You can do it. Encouraging, encouraging you along the way. So we are reminded that the Christian life is not about 
starting well, which we all of us start well. I mentioned this the other day. All, every Christian starts well. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you started well. You saved. But now here's a marathon to run. And the marathon to run, that's why we can lose focus. I said, Pastor, why are you saying this tonight? Because that's exactly what happened to Solomon. Solomon started right, then he began to decline. He lost focus. Even though God told him so. See, get this. This is a crucial moment in the life of King Solomon. All of his building is coming to an end. And God comes to his rescue so that his heart does not, uh, does not turn away from the way he started. God comes to remind him of, this, of his journey and the race that he must do and so he can finish well. Get this. We can get uh, great principles from this passage if we want to finish well our journey. I don't know about you, but I want to finish well. I want to finish well serving the Lord. I don't know if it will be a pastor. I don't know if it will be uh, sitting on the pew. I don't know. But I want to finish well, communing with my Lord all the way to heaven. You know, I don't want to be one of those Christians that says, Oh, I used to go to church. I used to read my Bible. Yeah, I used to do this. They said, I don't do this anymore. I, it's, it's part of the past. I, I, I got over that. Any, I don't want to be one of those. I want to be one of those Christians that are like, Lord, I want to, I'm going to keep looking to the finish line. Whatever you put me, Lord, it doesn't matter. I want to keep looking to the finish line. So, the writer of First King, I'm actually looking at 1 Kings 9, where it says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared unto him in Gibeon. So the writer of Kings actually gave us the time frame here. Now, it came about when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and, and the king's house. If you, were, uh, if you were to go to 1 Kings chapter 6, Solomon began the, t- uh, began the, the temple in the, in the fourth year of his reign. Okay, get this. This project will take about seven years, chapter 6, verse 38. After he finished the temple, he built his own house, 13 years, chapter 7, verse 1. By the time he finished his house, he was... It was 24 years into his reign. He would reign for a total of 40 years, so he is, he is uh, passing a halfway point of his reign. And since Solomon had now finished his own house, this encounter with God is occurring approximately 12 years after the event, which is starting chapter 8. So here is Solomon on the beginning, on the downside of his reign. All the construction is over. Everything is done. Now, idle hands. When we have idle hands, that's a dangerous place to be. Hands of mine, what should I do? I don't know what to use you for. You know why we should do that? When we don't know what those hands are going to do, grab God's Word and flip it. Flip it. Make you get your hands busy. Get a pen. Take notes. Make it busy because idle hands causes the mind to turn away from the things of God. That's exactly what happened to Solomon. So you see, this is precisely why God is visiting him now. Why was the Lord visiting him, uh, visiting Solomon at this critical time? Because God loves Solomon. And God wants Solomon to continue 
obeying and serving him so somebody else in his family will sit in that throne so the children of Israel will continue to flourish in that land. Number two, we see there is a commitment to keep. Every race, race starts good. There's no pain. There's no distractions. But as we continue the race, and the more we run the race, there will be distractions, pain, discouragement, and sometimes they'll want to quit. Did you ever run in a mar- marathon? I, was, I never, I ran the marathon once, but I never been really a fast runner. <laughs> and one time, one time my friend and I, we went to the soccer, soccer field, and we were supposed to go just run, just not, not run for competition, but I guess, you know, we're boys, teenagers, before you know, we're running for competition. And before I know, is in the other side of the field ahead of me, and I was, I was like, he's going to pass me. <laughs> and I was like, I said, that can't happen. My mind is already playing games. Like, quit, sit down, think that you have something in your stomach. You know? And I'm like, oh, tell him your leg hurts. And it, your mind is lying to you just to quit. And I'm like, you know, eat. And he, then, then like, you, you have to get that burst of wind and encouragement actually to try to run, to keep up with the person. And the more I tried to run, the faster he was going. I'm like, goodness, what kind of legs do you have and, and, and lungs? So he was a lot better than me. I was <laughs> not a fast runner. But anyway, so let A, so the, Lord, fir, the Lord's firm words. Look what it says in verse 3. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayers. Does God answer prayer? Right here, I have heard thy prayers. And thy supplications too, that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house, which thou hast built, to put my name there forever. That was God's commitment to him, see? And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. See, God is telling Solomon, listen, this is what I want to do. Because I heard your prayers. I heard your supplications. Now, now is, God is not just... Now, answering Solomon's prayers, Solomon had been in the limbo, so to speak, right here, as to what God's, God's answers would be for the past 12 years. The past 12 years would have proved that God had done as Solomon requested, which is why God speaks to, uh, to us faithfulness uh, in the past tense right here. I have heard of your prayers and your supplication. Seems like, all right, I have heard in the past, but you're not praying in the present. You follow that? Look what it says there. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard. That's in the present tense. Of your, of thy, I heard thy prayer and thy supplication. It seems like God is trying to remind Solomon, Solomon, you prayed before. I heard your prayer and supplication. Why are you not praying now? God reminds him that it is his promise to continue to do this forever. In my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually, he says. God has shown up and and reinstated to Solomon. He really reminds Solomon that he has been faithful to him and plans to continue being faithful. Folks, let me tell you this. God tells you in his, in his word that he's faithful to us, and he's been faithful to us in the past. And you know what? And the Lord tells you and me that he wants to continue to be faithful to us. You know what we need to do? We need to believe. And have enough faith to believe that. 
So the first 24 years of Solomon's reign have been a piece of cake. No wars, no famines, no recession, no worries. That is why Scripture silence for those 12 years here. Once God moved into the temple, everything in Israel, it was great. And now God shows up 12 years later to remind Solomon that the reason all have been great is because he, his presence is there. And, that's, and that he has, he has every intention of, uh, uh, for the things to continue as they have been forever. But it's all up to Solomon. All up to Solomon. Let it be the Lord's promising words. Notice the personal nature of what God is about to say. In verse 4 says, And if thou wilt, do you get the feel of what's going on here? The Lord says, I've been doing my part, and I would love to continue blessing Israel the same way, and, and now is up to you. Solomon, is up to you. If you keep following my ways and obey my word, I will keep doing what I said. But it's up to you. Folks, the same thing goes to you and me. God will continue to bless you and me. But for the blessings to continue, it's up to you and me. God has not blessed disobedience. So we talk about the sovereignty of God. And rightly so. I love to talk about God's sovereignty and His perfect will. But but God's sovereignty is only half of the equation here. In Scripture, not only is God sovereign, but man, listen to this, is responsible for his own actions. There's no way, listen, Scripture is much different of the ways of this world. This world says, oh, poor me. The environment that I, I grew up caused me to be the way I am. Oh, my mom and dad, the way they brought me up, caused me the way I am. I can't help myself. I'm a victim. Isn't that society, the way society teaches? You know, the, the, the neighborhood I grew up, uh, the friends that I hang up with, the school that I went, and, then, and they play this and they become victims. They play the victim all, all the time. God says, no, 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 no. You are responsible for your actions. Wow, what a difference. And God reminds you of Solomon. Solomon, I have all these things. I give you a choice. You either follow us this way, but you are responsible for your actions. Don't blame me when the consequences come. It will come if you follow this way. But it is your own fault. Isn't that the way it is every time? Isn't that the way it is? Oh, let's put an example. Okay. So, let's say, let's say you go, get out of the parking lot right here. Let's say if you go to the left, let's say there's no... Pavement, it is just a muddy road all the way down. All right? And it's been snowing and stuff. And anyway, it is muddy road. And let's say from the parking lot to the right, it is nice the way it is. And, you know, I, I tell you over here, I said, listen, don't go to the left because it's terrible over there. Go to the right. You already been know. You know what's going on, right? Now, if you turn to the left, whose fault is that? It's your own fault. They don't want to turn the wheel on the car. If you get stuck in the road, they're like, don't blame you know, anybody else or don't blame the state or the city. You made that choice. Guess what God's saying right here. So the Lord's promising word. Let's move on to, um, to number one there on that point. And let it be. We see integrity. 
God wants two things from Solomon right here. He wants integrity. Look at verse 4. It, and if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, look what it says, the integrity of heart. God doesn't want puppets. God doesn't want robots. God wants people of integrity who love him and their love is genuine. That's what God wants. And that's what God's telling Solomon here. God simply wants Solomon to be sincere in his devotion to God and to take God's word seriously, just like David, his father, did. Number two, loyalty. Look at verse four. And will keep my statutes and my judgments. So God is looking for loyalty. Don't follow someone else, Solomon. Don't listen to anyone else, Solomon. Just do what I say and be totally loyal to my will. Isn't that what God says to us? What did Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments. That's loyalty right there. Integrity of heart and loyalty. I am loyal to my king. You see that? I'm loyal to him. And I will serve him. See, by the way, this is what God wants you for me and you to do. Do you remember what Jesus asked Peter before his ascension to heaven? In John 21.15, I believe so. Uh, <coughs> uh, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said, Feed my lambs. You see what God wanted from, from Peter? He wanted loyalty. He wanted Peter to be totally devoted to him. Three times the Lord asked him the same question. Get this, Jesus didn't need to ask Peter such a question for he is all-knowing. Jesus was just testing Peter to know how sincere and how devoted Peter was to him. That is what God wants from us. That is what God wanted from Solomon. God wanted loyalty and integrity. Let's go to point number three. There is a warning to heed. The Lord didn't let Solomon... Just take the good, for there was also the flip side of the coin. It is a blessing if we obey, but it is also consequences if we want to live as we please. It's a choice. Well, look what it says in verse 9. Verse 6, I'm sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. But if ye shall all, I'm sorry, but if ye shall at all, that's what it says, turn from following me. Ye or your children, not just him, said you and your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. So the words, but if, are transitional words right here in this verse. Just as there was blessings to pursue, there was also penalty to avoid. Remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.5, and if a man also strive for mysteries, yet is not uh, crowned, except he strive lawfully. So in running the race, you need to make sure that you avoid the things that will disqualify you from reaching the prize. That is the essence of what is about to, God about to tell Solomon. So if we run the race, it is a crown for those who run the race. Guess what here? Look what it says in 1 Kings 9.7. That, look what God says. Uh, this is what God ta- is telling Solomon before it happens. Then I will cut off Israel out of the land, 
which I have given them, and this house, which I have hallowed for my name, will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb, a byword among all people. When Nebuchadnezzar went there and they took all the riches out of that temple, they literally, they literally took, you know, uh, the, the, the thousands and thousands of, of dollars in gold that was there? God left the temple. And you know what? And men took all that riches and to show the Jewish people that, you know what, I want your heart, not just a temple made out of stones. I want your heart. But of course, they did not. Letter A, we see the problem of apostasy. Look at verse 6. But if ye shall all turn from following me, ye or your children. Apostasy is the sin on which a person who confesses the Lord and turns and departs from him. There are people. I'm not saying, listen, we have to be careful here. Because there are people on which they are Christians, and they allow the old men to take over them, and they begin to walk in the ways of the world. They're going to be miserable. And God's going to chastise them and go after them because that's God's children. Okay, don't misunderstand me here. But there are people who sit in churches, they are apostates, they're not Christians. They sit there, they never receive Jesus as their Savior. They're just religious, they feel good about themselves, but they are lost as anybody else. Listen, I had a man in my church one time, First Baptist Church, many years ago. He was in church for over 20 years. And over 20 years, he came forward, and the pastor said to him, Brother, you come in the praise. I go, No, I need Jesus as my Savior. I am lost. It took him 20 years. And right here we see the problem of apostasy. It is a big problem. So apostates are described by Paul and Jude. Actually, go to... 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, and we jump to Jude. Keep your finger there in our text tonight. Look what it says in 2 Peter 2, 15. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the ways of Balaam, the son of uh, Bosor, I think it is, and who follow the wages of unrighteousness. Look at Jude 1, 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone... and they in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the arrow of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Apostates are the ultimate traitors, and once a person becomes an apostate, repent, and therefore salvation is almost impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's, very, it's almost impossible. In effect, in fact, Jude actually says their, their judgment is already set and cannot... And, and, and he already said, look, it said in Jude chapter 1, verse 4. For there are certain men creeped unawares, for who, <coughs> I'm sorry, were before an old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying uh, the only Lord God and our God, Jesus Christ. You see, there are people who at one time sit in churches and maybe even add a Bible, and at one time, after a certain time, they walk away and deny everything. There was a man, I don't know the, uh, his name, that he wrote, Kiss Dating Goodbye. I don't know his name, I don't remember his name, but one, after he wrote other books, and one time he comes in the news, he said, actually he was in the news, because he's a popular writer, he said, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. 
You either are a Christian or you're not. But to say I'm not a Christian anymore, that is foolishness. You either never been one, you know, and you're just walking away because you really never been one. But to say that, but he said that himself. After he wrote so many Christian books. Let it be, he said, the problem with sin. I'll see this in verse 6. I will not keep my commandments and will not keep my commandments, my statutes, which I have set before thee. So sin is a great problem that all of us have to deal with. It was real in Solomon's life as much as real in my life and your life. So keep in mind here that the warning is given not only to Solomon, but to his children as well. So all of us have to be aware of about the snares of sin and where it comes from. Let me tell you, so, folks. Sin promises pleasure, good, time, wonderful. You know what the Bible says about, about uh, what's his name, uh, Moses? That he didn't want the, the pleasures of Egypt for, Egypt for a season? Sin promised much, but when the consequences come, sometimes they are very painful. And of course, God warns Solomon here, and of course, he warns all of us about the consequences of sin. So let us see, you see, the problem with idolatry. Look what it says in verse 6 again, but go and serve other gods and worship them. The final step of our apostasy is worshiping or someone other than God. This could be a false god such as Allah or Buddha, statue, sports, self, famous people. Uh, idolatry as a, was a problem in the days of Solomon and is a problem of our day as well. They started out uh, worshiping God, but they reject Him, disobeying Him, and end up betraying Him through idolatry. The extreme tragedy is that they seem to start the race so well. There was actually a point in their lives when they had professed faith in God and that pledged their lives to obey Him, but suddenly turned to idolatry. What happened to Solomon? Solomon went from worshiping the Lord, serving the Lord well. God gave him so much wisdom. He was this king. He was such a builder. Very intelligent mind. When everything was built, he looks to the gods of his wives. And the Bible says they turn his heart and he forgot the God of Israel. I tell you, folks, our Lord is, our God is very compassionate, very merciful, slow to anger, and sometimes He allows certain sins to go on for a season or for a time. But believe me, if you are one of His, He's not going to let you in that sin forever. He's going to come after you. Why? Because He loves you. That's why. So the only difference between them and the true Christian is that while both seem to start the race, the apostate failed to finish. And God warned Solomon against such a crime here. Get this, if he does, then the consequences are tragic. Number one, look at the tragedy here. Israel will be rejected. Look at verse 7. Then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them. What happened to Israel? Ten tribes going to Assyria. They were in, in captivity. Two tribes going to Babylon. Captivity. What happened when Solomon passes out of the scene? The kingdom gets divided. 
Number two, the temple would be removed. Look at verse 7. In this house, which I hollow for my name, will I cast out of my sight. And Israel shall be a proverb, a byword among thy people. This, this magnificent st- structure trimmed with gold, God will pick it up and throw it away. That's what he's saying right here. Folks, temples trimmed in gold do not secure the presence of God. Obedience does. And when obedience stops, God will destroy that temple. Number three, judgment will be remembered. Look at verse 7. And Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all the people. Let me put it this way. <coughs> Let me give you a story right here. Thomas Mulligan, a Mulligan, a Mulligan, Mulligan, I guess, was a passion golfer in Ireland in 1800s. He developed the theory, this is funny, that the only shot that count on a golf score was the one that you hit during the game. So his game did not start until he hit a, a first shot that he liked. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so if, if his first shot was bad, he just declared that he hadn't started yet. And he hit it again. I like that. <laughs> so no doubt his friends hacked him. Uh, and, and before long, the do-over shot in golf became known as the mulligan. His name became a byword among all golfers. <laughs> that is what God said would happen here. If you turn from following me, I will bring such a judgment on you that it will literally set the standard for all future judgments. So how big was this judgment that the Lord is talking about here, to, uh, talking here to Solomon? Look at verse 8. Look what it says. And every one, in the middle of the verse, that pass it, it shall be astonished and shall hiss. Wow. So the term here, hiss, literally means to whistle in amazement. Can you imagine? You go like, what happened here? What happened to this thing? There'll be an amazement because of the judgment of God will be so severe. God will see to do it that everyone knows why you are destroyed. Why? Look at verse 9. And they shall answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and given hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them, and served them before I had the Lord brought up upon them all this evil. You know what amazes me? God did so much for the Jewish people. God blessed Solomon so immensely. Solomon had everything that he wanted. He's, he was so satisfied that he was not content where he was, so he had to go marry 900 wives. And, and, and after that, he was not content with his God that gave him so much. He went to other gods. Because now, as, as those other gods are going to give him more than his God would give him. He was lying to himself. Folks, let me put it this way. God will be glorified either in your obedience or in your judgment. Solomon, you have started well, but you must not grow arrogant and lazy in regards of your success. Keep my commandments and my laws. What a warning for all of us. In a day when people are so tempted to sit back 
and rest upon the past accomplishments. If we do not finish well, then starting well means absolutely nothing. Jesus made a statement like this. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. Let me put it this way. Life is full of faces or phases, right? You might do this today. You might not be able to do it tomorrow. But it doesn't mean that we give up on the Lord. The Lord can have us do something else. You follow that? That's what the Lord does. It's the phase in life. We're aging, of course. It's, there's illness. There is problems of life on which I, I can't do this anymore. But I can do something else. I mean, it blesses my heart. Not because you're here, brother, because your wife is on, on uh, watching us. But it blesses my heart. The willingness that she wants to sing. And I can see she is in excruciating pain. So I go get a chair for her. And she said, I will not sing standing up. We'll sit down. I went fine. <laughs> the Lord is pleased. You know, it's amazing. But see, it's not like, oh, I used to do this, but I don't do anymore. No, you used to do this, but you can't do it anymore, but you can do something else. You know, I always put it this way. Prayer is something that everybody can do. No matter where you are in life, anybody can do Everybody can pray. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. For you have a need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So I conclude with this. The, I'm sorry. The life you have been given is a marathon for God. And while starting well is important, but, but I believe that we need to finish well as well. I want to finish well. And the Lord shows up in the scene here to Solomon 12 years later and tells Solomon, before his decline, he reminds Solomon, you don't want to go that way. If you do this, this is what I will do for you. But if you don't do this, it's what's going to happen. Because of your sin and the sin of your children, other people will suffer. And it happened. You know, sometimes we think, we say, it's my prerogative, I do what I want to do. You know, it doesn't matter, I'm not hurting anybody. But we, we do a lot of times drags other people with us. It really does. So anyway, so we need to do. We need to trust the Lord and trust His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for your love, for your mercy.